My name is Joe. I'm the dungeon master of this campaign. This is Advantage. My name is Zach, and I play a large-scale dream, a half-high-elf, bladesinger wizard, member of the Weaver's Guild, and special legionnaire of the Pandominion. Alaris, you wake up as the bed moves, and you open your eyes to see the naked back of Maylin as she walks to the door of her bedroom. She's a morning person, always the first to get up these two days that you've been here, and you know that she's going to brew a breakfast tea in the next room. You get up once, the kettle whistles, and you walk in to see uh, Maylin draped in a fuzzy blanket, pouring the boiling water into a ceramic teapot. Her straight brown hair is pulled into a loose, low ponytail, revealing her pointy ears. I can't believe you're going away so soon. These past few days with you have been absolutely incredible. Like, only five days ago, I doubted if I'd ever see you again. Yeah, I've really enjoyed getting to spend as much time as I have with you, too. I wish that I could just keep staying for even longer. Remind me what your plan is again? Like, you're meeting the Ormains and then what? Um, I, I think that we're going to her dearth to see what's going on there with King Greysunder and, and helping out more folks from his oppressive regime. Mm. God, I like those guys. It was so much fun to bartend for them. Yeah, they're... It's a shame that they're leaving. They are quite the bunch. What's on your mind right now in general, Alaris, as you're packing up and getting ready to go? He, he's just kind of been thinking back to the last few days, what all has been going on. Some of his spare time in the Weaver's Guild, trying to figure out the best way to redistribute his like spells and stuff, and just kind of get more knowledge, be more combative going forward, because he, he's definitely had several close run-ins with death over the last... <laughs> few weeks and months um and would like to remedy that as much as he can going forward so alaris as you're donning your armor uh describe what we see describe alaris as a character visually still long shaggy hair uh, a more battered and worn body like still hasn't fully recovered from the battles and stuff but the spirit and his eyes are very happy from the last few yeah. days. While, while his body might still be recovering, um, his, his mental health is, is pretty high. What else? He's now donning leather armor um, as opposed to his robes. The robes are kind of just packed away and if anything else pops up where he, needs, he feels like he needs to wear those. But Yeah. Uh, he also has just acquired a, a random run-of-the-mill sword. Uh, longsword, right? Yeah, longsword specifically. Two-handed or one-handed? Will's it two-handed? Uh, Alaris, some other stuff. Your skin reveals a lot about your parentage. Um, like you carry traits of your human mother who, like most Pandominion humans, is uh, dark-skinned. But your skin also shimmers with a silvery pearlescence, uh, which is a trace from your late father from the Silver Band of High Elves. Are you Also, are you still rocking that pointy wizard's cap? 
Yeah, I'm still rock, rocking a pointy wizard's cap for sure. Nice. And uh, are you wearing the uh, gorget around your neck from the Pandominion? Yeah, I think I think Alaris has just kind of accepted that that that's where he's at right now and keeps it on. He might take it off whenever we go to her dearth if it if it seems like that would be very detrimental to where they're at. As of right now, he's still he's wearing it. Yep. My name is Yessi, and I play Grimton Steadyhand, a fighter, paladin of Bahamut, special legionnaire of the Pandominion, and revolutionary in the Red Capes. Grimton, you've been up since before dawn, and have spent the morning in the cool mists of the Charmed River. As you're loading equipment uh, into Marge the Barge, will you describe yourself? So Grimton, his beard is noticeably grayer than it was. Uh, even a couple months ago when they started out on this journey. Uh, I imagine he, do he doesn't have his uh, dwarven plate on yet. He doesn't see any need for it as he's just like loading stuff onto Marge. So you can see um, starting on his like left fist a scarration that looks like spider webs growing up to his shoulder that you would recognize as like lightning scars from like him taking hits from his shield arm. And the lightning traveling up through his uh, body. He looks like he's uh, favoring his prosthetic a little uh, the last few days. Like he might have uh, pulled something in his knee or foot, on his good foot. Nothing like permanent, just like a scrapes and bruises sort of thing. Can you describe your prosthetic more? It starts uh, right below the knee. It kind of screws and clips on. And it's not like a regular just peg. It has an arch to it. Uh, if you've ever seen like uh, the Paralympics sprinters that are amputees have these when they're running. Mm -hmm. So it provides a more of a bounce than a regular peg would. And around your neck, you're wearing a short scarlet mantle, uh, which is a symbol of your affiliation with the Red Capes, right? Yes. Can you briefly describe... Uh, that group? The Red Capes were a group that came about shortly after Greysunder took power. Initially just uh, opposing his regime and then later turning more revolutionary or as he started expanding his power and started becoming more of a tyrant. The mm -hmm. Capes started out again more of just a fashion statement then it, it came to carry more like political symbolicness and power and eventually being seen with the red capes was a, a sign of dissent to towards the king and became a dangerous thing you've been up early working with the two other red capes with you uh herrick and briston ormain two dwarves from your hometown of delve deep in her dearth they like you are enemies of the state and have come to the watched forest as political refugees Herrick is a balding dwarf, uh, convicted and noble. As the first child, he wears the family plate armor with pride, a symbol that clans must first defend their honor. Briston, the second child, inherited the family axe. Should defense be unsuccessful and action need taken, it is the second child's duty to fight back. Briston's energy is one of action. The Ormains have a third brother, Echo, the youngest, who went missing during the raid that forced you out of her dearth. Uh, Herrick, who's been unusually quiet, even for him, speaks up again. And this is where I have to try a dwarven accent. Grenton, 
We need your help if we're ever going to see Echo live again. You're the only one and the only other person that we've gotten the red capes who's been in Moldo Keep. We don't stand a chance in the Nine Elves without you. You can count me in. Now, I can't speak so much for my friends as they may not be willing to leave behind what we just created here, but I think it's important for us to go to Moldo Keep, not just to look for Echo, but to try and stop Grace Under, as his influence seems to be uh, reaching further out than just her dearth now. So as you're talking this out, Lieutenant Colonel Erica Tri walks up. Um, she's a human from the Pandominion. She's got dark brown skin and bolder features. Her black hair is braided close to her scalp to keep it secure in her helmet. She wears a heavy scale mail uh, and a deep blue cape signifying her rank and authority over the Southern Redoubt, the Pandominion fortress on the border of the Watched Forest. Her battle expertise and knowledge of castimentation is what granted you victory during the battle a few nights ago. Mr. Ormain, please, uh, at some point today we'll have to talk more about Muldo Keep. I'm very, very concerned about the Warforged. The presence of uh, the Herdearth weaponry being found in the battlegrounds with the Kolgafirian armies up north indicate that something big is happening in Herdearth. Like, systemically big. If King Graysender is coming out of nationalist isolationism, there's a reason for it. Special Engineer, uh, do you have any thoughts on the matter? Like, what might Graysender gain with having traded weapons to Kolgafir? The only logical thing that I can think of is to expand the Herdearthian border. I think he might have seen the weakening of the Watch Forest because of the burn and uh, the Pandominion's engagement with Kolgafir up north as a perfect opportunity to strike, so to speak. And with both those parties vulnerable, it would be easy for him to push his borders. So time passes and eventually more dwarves show up. About 120 total will march four days north to find a home in New Isa Talos. Alaris, you and Maylin are approaching the crowd of dwarves as they load their heavy belongings onto Marge the Barge. Neavan, the elven captain of the vessel, instructs them on where to put their anvils and trunks of familial armor. You spot Grimton, uh, the Ormains, Lieutenant Colonel Eric Atri, talking over to the side. Uh, as you walk to the Charmed River, you and Maylin had been holding hands. As you draw closer to your allies now, do you let go of her hand and continue concealing this relationship, or are you owning well, it? I'm now? owning it. What, what, would we, nice. what would we be hiding? They already saw us kiss. I don't know. <laughs> Ormain, looking at you, calls out, Well, would you look at that? Miss Maylin couldn't have found a better fella. Herrick waves. <laughs> That's I'm sorry, Joe. Alaris, Herrick waves you over to join the group. The lieutenant colonel reaches out and shakes your hands. Uh, well, special legionnaire, you're here. Steady hand is here. The Ormains are here. Looks like Neavan's finishing up the loading and the last of the gears getting onto the barge. Uh, we missing anything, or should we go ahead and get out moving? Here's uh, necessarily that we're missing anything, but here's some cause for concern. Mm -hmm. um, let's walk and talk, I suppose. When we get... Wait, where are we walking to? Aren't we going to Nuisitalos? Aren't they going to Nuisitalos? No, you're getting on the barge with me. 
and Where are we the warmings. We're going to New Easton Towers via barge. Oh, okay. Haddock says, yeah, what are, Briston and I are going up there to uh, talk with the elders of figuring out where everybody is going to end up going and stuff. And then everybody else is marching there, but the f- six of us, I think, okay. are, are going up early cool, cool, to cool. take care of cool, 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 business. Cool, cool, cool. I thought we were just, like, uh, using the... Anyway, let's walk to the barge, then. Walk and talk to the barge. Nope, here we are. <laughs> On the barge? Okay, anyway. Cause for concern going forward. Uh, Alaris and I are special legionnaires of the Pandominion. If we are seen as well as revolutionaries towards Grace Under, it will send an obvious and immediate message that the Pandominion refutes Grace Under's uh, leadership and rule over her dearth. Should we keep on these gorgets and go as Pandominion agents, or should we be non-affiliated? Uh, can you secretly be still Pandominion agents? Yeah. I mean, we. we well, then, we yeah, are. do that. We are, obviously, but like, we shouldn't go. It's, it's it would be more of a safety hazard, like an occupational hazard right. to wear the gorget during our time in. Yeah, you. Herder. Yeah, uh, the lieutenant colonel looks at you, looks at you both, and is like, "Yeah, you don't, you don't have to wear these. These are just like a symbol, an outward symbol of your current status. So if you don't want to be in a place that like lets you know that you're, you know, a revolutionary or a spy <laughs> or something like that, if you don't want people to know that you're like supposed to be incognito and you don't want to go around saying like, hey, I'm with the Pandominion, uh, go and kill me first." It's me, the half high elf. Like, okay, oh, I, cool. So that being said, when Grace Under yeah, is, take him off, dude. When Grace Under is overthrown, then the victory shall be seen as a victory to of the Red Dominion and the Herd Earth. Listen, that w- that silence was as uncomfortable as I wanted it to be. <laughs> Do you say that out loud? No. <laughs> Listen, the Pandominion looking at the pair of you as special legionnaires and the Red Capes looking at Grimton and the Ormains, we all want Grace Under gone. Right. We're all here skeptical of uh, his rule and current authority. Right. It would benefit all of us for him to not be here anymore. Right. And when that is the case, uh, control of her dirt the, shall it, be relinquished we'll back. figure it out inevitably <laughs> lieutenant colonel try i trust you when have i ever let you burn before <laughs> yikes <laughs> well that's it's not ominous okay that's all. that's all i needed to i've said my part look when we get when i get back to the southern redoubt i'll send you a correspondence via sending to one of you i'm sure and we can talk about it more then okay i haven't honestly haven't really thought about this like i've been i've been doing this with you for less than a week at this point since i like decided that this is a good thing and then like only four days ago did we uh stop the tempest oath so i haven't really thought about the logistics of it but i just know that grace under needs to be overthrown and you two are a pair that i can count on yeah sounds good also, you two, she says, looking over at the Ormains. And just, Grimton and Briston are like, yeah, right. It just smells a little of geopolitical mess, but I, I would like that for that to be avoided. Uh, Alaris, any last words before you leave Maylin again? 
It's hard to leave, but I know I need to. I will keep writing to you on our page, and I hope to see you again before too long. Take care. Be safe. Save the world. And then she uh, leans up to kiss you. Oh, I kiss her back. Gross. While walking, the distance between Letris and Isatalos is a four-day journey, but the barge trip downstream should only take about a day and a half. So, Grimton, how were, how were your last couple days? They took a toll on the body, that's for sure. I no spring chicken anymore. Yeah. But, all things considered, I'm still mostly in one piece, so... That's good. Get it? Get it, Elias? He's like jabbing, jabbing at his ribs. Get it? I I, I do see what you did there, Grimton. Because that rat bastard thief took my leg a long time ago. You know, this is Briston. I was there. Grimton came straight to my house right after he got his leg How did he get there? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Sorry, right off. before... It, yeah, right. It was stabbed and then got infected. But I was there for that process. <laughs> I was the one that pulled that baby out. And boy, did it hurt. Also, not how you're supposed to do first aid I learned in retrospect. Did you save the bone, Briston? You know I might have. It'd be back in Delve Deep, though. I mean, we might end up there. That's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be real sad if we don't find that leg bone later. <laughs> Hey friends, it's Joe. Wow, it's good to be back on our regular season. Thank you to our audience for allowing the cast and I to have that break between arcs. It was really refreshing. We hope you enjoyed our feed during the interlude. It was a great joy to be able to publish the Patreon episode run by Daniel Tan and the Disadvantage episode with the cast and getting to record our Arc 1 mailbag. Uh, Now all that's behind us and we're so stoked to begin publishing our work in Arc 2 of this story. This premiere episode serves as a great reintroduction to the player characters, the story, and conflicts of the world of the cusp, and is a wonderful moment to begin your journey with us for the first time. If you're a returning listener who's excited about sharing the show with others, direct them to this episode. While listening through all 50 episodes of Arc 1 will certainly give you a richer understanding of the story thus far, we understand that that is a huge, intimidating commitment. If you're a new audience member, welcome. This is the place for you. We are excited that you've decided to follow this journey with us. The show is written as an audio drama combined with uh, D&D role-playing. We've committed to playing a deep, thoughtful style, which the cast and I find very rewarding. We also encourage you to connect with others who listen to the show, and the easiest way for you to do that is through our Discord channel. Uh, Discord is a free desktop or mobile app that's meant to bring groups into communication together. Advantage has proudly officialized our partnership with the podcast How Friends Roll and created the Darkmore Podcast Network. That Discord server is an effort to mix our respective audiences and see what it generates, and it's fascinating. We've also released a bunch of extra content there. You'll find visual concepts of characters and NPCs from all real and the ore mains to uh, Lieutenant Colonel Erica Try, all built within the Hero Forge miniature program. 
You can find rough drafts of regional maps like the Pandominion Cities, the Kingdom of Her Dearth, and the city-states of the Watch Forest. There's even a map localized to the story of Arc 1. Good things are happening there. Go check it out. There's a link in the description. Shoutouts to our Patreon supporters for making this show possible and loving us enough to keep offering their financial support. Thank you so much. Other credits must be given to our friends Daniel Grayling and Blake Bost. Daniel did all of our digital graphics, including our maps and logo. Blake wrote a great deal of our music, including the overture playing behind me now. You can find more of his work on soundcloud.com slash Blake Bost. That's B-O-S-T. On the subject of music, you can also look forward to some new sounds this season, written by Orman Audio. Dark Silver Forge is still offering discounts to Advantage listeners. They have stunning zinc alloy dice sets. Steven, Yessie, and I all have our own. These dice are five and a half times heavier than your standard plastic dice and are absolutely stunning. Beautiful. Go see for yourself at darksilverforge.com and use the code ADVANTAGEDND, all caps, no spaces, and receive 10% off of your purchase. Our handles for uh, all social media is ADVANTAGEDND. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, anything else. Uh, Pinterest? We have a Pinterest board. Uh, Our email is advantagednd at gmail.com. And predictably, our website is AdvantageDnd.com. Again, if you can, please donate at Patreon and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps a great deal. All right, let's get back to the show. You've got more people to meet. Thank you. My name is Sarah, and I play Morlinde Lyklas, an elf in the Circle of the Land and the presiding druid over New Isatalos. Morlinde, you're leaving the Shelter of Spirits. This low stone building was the first permanent structure built by the East Italian Band of Elves centuries ago. As the city grew, it became the spiritual and political center of life here. This is where the Elder Council created legislation for the people, where um, the presiding druids would offer spiritual guidance. It is here where nearly... A year ago, the first meetings were held to allow the Pandominion to build a trade route into the Watched Forest. Later, it would become a battleground. Presiding Druid Kareth abandoned the city and summoned Everflame to cleanse the forest of those who strayed from the Old Faith. Then the Tempest Oath, a zealot army of radical practitioners, summoned Stormhawk here. Stormhawk, the spirit that banished the primordials and high gods from the cusp who you've fought twice now, once here at the shelter, and once more as that army tried to slaughter your kinsfolk. The last few days have been stressful. New Isatalus is in recovery mode. The citizens are rebuilding the homes that they lost a month ago in that awful fire. You and the two elders, Falhide and Yesrik, have been trying to create a new political structure, one that offers hope and justice for all who come, one that stays true to their customs and traditions that are righteous and good, but abandons those that hurt others. More importantly, a political structure that will ensure that the survivors of the burn, the protected remnants, never endure attempted genocide again. That is a tremendous amount of pressure, and you're on your way now to check in with your parents. Um, So as the camera follows Morlinde. Can you describe what we see walking through the muddied streets of New Isatalis? 
All right, uh, Morlinde looks clearly exhausted. Um, it's it's as if she hasn't been able to sleep for for weeks, which is relatively true. Um, and so she's got the biggest bags under her eyes she has ever had, and she just looks like generally worried. So it's just like continual like furrowed brow of like deep in thought because there are so many things going on. She's in her ceremonial robes because she doesn't have to be in, you know, ready to fight clothes right now. People are kind of giving her some space. She's not as like friendly and peppy as she usually is. Not that she's like super peppy anyway, um, but like she generally puts on an effort to, you know, be friendly and at least polite to the people around her, but right now she's just so tired. It's like, I just need to get where I'm going. <laughs> she's she's just she's spent. She's done. Um, so you're also carrying with you a staff, mm-hmm. and we haven't talked about uh, which staff that is because you have two in your possession. There's the U staff that was given to you from the Circle of the Land, mm-hmm. which is just a plus two regular staff, and then there's Valric's staff, which you picked up in the wake of the battle. This is this one is technically more powerful. Like it's a plus one to attack and and can cast storm sphere once a day. Um, give me an arcana check. Hey, that's a nat twenty. Well done. That's first, the first roll. Of the new yes, first roll you're of welcome, new guys. That's either a really good sign or a really bad sign. So you're able to identify the the main source, the main power source of Valric's staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the electric blue hawk feather totem uh, that's tied onto it. Just like the one from your master, Kareth. The feather, of course, you know as a symbol of the druidic mm-hmm. circle of great duty. So on one hand, you've got the weaker staff, the plus two, U staff from the land, circle of the land, or you've got this archdruids from an opposing druid circle that you are on principle Morlinda cannot like she cannot walk around with the symbol of the circle of great duty hanging from her staff like while her her morals have been flexible in order to get powerful objects in the past um (laughs) (laughs) this is the line Morlinde knows it's the line, it, and she doesn't. She doesn't necessarily want to have a lot of summoning stuff with Stormhawk anyway. Morlinde doesn't currently trust Stormhawk at all, so like being able to summon stormy things like that, morally, it's not going to work. She's going to go with the U staff because that's the one that that is with her circle and aligns with her as a person as a druid and as a leader i just want you to know that grimton isn't there but like he feels a, a pang of disappointment he doesn't know why <laughs> as he's on the barge <laughs> grimton can ask about it later <laughs> you could have got what oh he he won't even know she'll be holding the use staff and there's he won't know and that's just the same as it ever was oh, yeah, feeling. what Morlinde, why was i disappointed in you earlier i felt <laughs> i felt sadness i felt sadness My name is Steven, and I play Ulrich Orman, 
a gnome ranger and chief arrow of the Warden Scout in New Isatalos. Ulrich, you are at the Lycalas home. Orlinde's parents are, uh, canonically, herbalists and healers, and they have graciously taken your best friend under their care. Alril is a half-elf and your closest companion. He was once a man of dashingly good looks, whose smile could warm the coldest of hearts, but he lost that after a recent battle with a hag. The fey monster had taken Alril prisoner. During the rescue mission, the hag dug her nasty fingernails into his face. Much of his nose is missing and parts of his cheek are still flayed. Those are beginning to scar over, but since then, Alril has been plagued by a terrible vision. In his sleep, he claims that a tall, gaunt, blue-skinned woman with tremendously long black hair looms over him. She has a pair of horns coming out of her forehead, and her face is gnarled and twisted. Even Morlinde's parents don't know what's going on, and they've kept watch over him for the past few days now. Al is awake at the moment, laying on a mat up against a wall. You're sitting there next to him, sharing a pot of tea. This silence is getting uncomfortable. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think Ulrich is, is still going to say anything just, just yet. Like the, the problem with uncomfortable silence is that sometimes the only thing to do is just to continue to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And so they're just sitting there. I feel like each sound becomes uh, like a huge sonor- uh, sonorous event. Like, you know, the clink of a teacup against the kettle or something like that is or feels much louder in the space um Arik is sad I guess I'm, not, I'm looking for a better word um at their inability to properly help their friend and honestly at not giving the amount of attention that their uh, friend's problem deserved initially like the conflict was in, so ensuing so Al kind of got brushed to the to the side a little bit maybe he feels forlorn has like Al is laying there, but has like have we spoken today? Like have we been hanging out, or did he like just wake up? Uh, what time of day is it? D. You... What time do you want it to be? Let's say it's the morning. Because I'm okay. I'm yeah. Uh, tea before I go off to to do with the things I've got to do today. Sure, breakfast tea. Yeah. In that case, that's implied that Morlinde spent the entire night at the Shelter of Spirits. I mean, like... <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah. Or, or... It turns out building a government is a hard job. That's why she's so tired. Like, yeah. Yeah. Those bags of her own. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I guess just, like, after enough time, I just turn and I say, so she was there again? Yeah. She's always there. Does she talk to you? No. She laughs. She cackles. Do you count cackling as as talking? It's a terrible voice. Is it not it's not a voice you recognize at all? From like personal interaction? No. It reminds me of the the visual that's coming into my mind is when that sweet young woman transformed into this ugly monster as I was walking on the road next to the Charmed River and 
she turned out to be a hag and laughed terribly and took me prisoner and i don't know if that's that association is fey in in nature or if if that's just like an associative memory that i have between the pair i i'm i've been thinking on this um a fair amount and to me it seems readily apparent that that you know this vision that you have is um is related to the hag like is they not just like it happened at the same time but is the direct result of and maybe maybe it is her in some other form what if what if she's watching you from the fey and that's why she's not as apparent to everybody else um and maybe when you can why you can only see her in your dreams because you're not actively you know, in, in a waking state, you sort of have to actively put yourself within that. But I feel like in a dream state, it's easier to slip uh, into that view. I I see what you're saying. And it makes sense, except the feeling that I get from, like, fey energies is primarily one of, like, vividness and energy I guess terror is a sort of vividness, but it's like a terror more commonly associated with dread, you know? Like, I am completely zapped of capability to do anything Well, in my sleep with her. What if it's the same thing but the opposite direction? What if this is a creature of the Shadowfell? Uh, just then, Mr. Lyclass comes over with a flask of something, and Allrill instinctively drains the draft, hands it back, and then rolls over back to sleep, despite it being morning and him just waking up. Any updates? I'm, it's the same. Um, I have a new hypothesis, but I'm not sure how I could actually do anything about it. I had believed it to be and I still do, related to the incident that we experienced, specifically he experienced with the hag. Um, but, uh, and I suggested to him that, that perhaps uh, this hag is still somehow plaguing him, but is doing so from the fae, which is why we can't see her as immediately. And then he explained to me that the situation doesn't quite feel that when, when he's experiencing her. So I suggested that perhaps this is not a creature of the Fae, but of the Shadowfell. And I don't know, I'm not even sure I know how to interact with the Fae. I've just been in the right time and right place to do it. Uh, and as a creature distantly of the Fae myself, that connection is more natural. Um, but the Shadowfell is, is not something I've interacted with, and I have no idea how to go about pursuing that hypothesis. Just then, uh, Morlinda, you open the door looking exhausted. Um, Ulrich, you know that she's been working on political stuff. Um, Tea? I hold up. <laughs> yes. It's a, uh, it's a turmeric sunrise, herbal and good for the soul. Ugh, I don't like the taste of turmeric, but I know it's good for me, so I need that. Ulrich pours her a cup and hands it over. 
But also, thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Happily sips their own tea as if it was delicious, because it is. <laughs> Merlinda, uh, your father chuckles at your disgusted face and gives you the update, like, Aurel's, Aurel's not doing well. Like, nothing your mother and I have tried seems to take. We keep giving him these sleeping potions and other, in order to, like, study his visions, but we see nothing. He just keeps waking up with this blue woman still there. It's, it's obviously exhausting for him. And he says, like, speaking louder than would be appropriate to speak with somebody who's sleeping in the room, but, like, is doing so knowing that they won't be woken up. But it's difficult to cure something you don't understand. He hates it and he wants to go out. Auric was just saying... Yeah, Morlinde, do you do you know anything about the Shadowfell? No, I have, I have no experience with it. I know it is there, but I don't know... I think you're right that maybe it could be the Shadowfell because we... Because we, nothing has worked. And like we interact with the Fae enough to know how to handle that kind of stuff more or less. And he's described it to me as, like, as experiencing a sense of dread. Because I asked him if, if he thought he might be interacting with the Fae, and he's used to a sort of sharp feeling of, or rather, a feeling of sharpness, of, of clarity um, and uh, vivid color, whereas this is something more steeped in fear and terror and dread. And so that's what leads me to believe, but like my interaction with the Shadowfell is equally as limited as yours. Yeah. He hates this. He really wants to go out. Who, who would know this kind of information? Out of character. Uh, out of character. Give me Arcana checks. Okay. Also, Some other druids might be able to help us out. I rolled an eighteen. Ah, oh, shit! I rolled a four. Your 17 reminds you that you've fought shadow creatures before. For example, the zombies that attacked you, uh, like, right... The zombies and skeletons that happened, like, right after Everflame, like, wiped out everything and you were first on your way to uh, Havenmere. That was during the new moon. The specters that killed Uruk and uh, almost killed Neovan. Then there were the Will-O-Wisps at the Southern Redoubt as well. So like anywhere there is desolate energy, there is shadow presence. No, Joe, Joe, would my weapon be a conduit of some variety? Uh, which one? The Hexblade. Absolutely. Because like I have it on me and I want to just sort of like hold it and think about it, but not say anything about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Also... Uh, Joe would I know the Underdark and the Shadowfell like aren't the same thing um, but would being in the Underdark like increase my likelihood of encountering that kind of energy? Potentially. Like where it's closer to like capital E, capital D, essential darkness. It might be possible Morlinde that we like how you were able to find uh, I hesitate to call them a doorway, but a doorway into the Fae uh-huh. in a holier place. What if, what if we found something similar in the Underdark? Because the only experiences I can think of that could 
link us to the Shadowfell have involved dark magic and monsters that I'd rather not deal with again. And so, yeah. in lieu of necromancy, I think a yeah. journey into a different realm might be uh, preferred. Yeah, we need to find someone who's done that before or has at least some experience with it. Um, Merlinda, your dad says us. Definitely not me, but I have texts that I can consult. Uh, why don't you go see if uh, Fallon Valerie needs your help at the granary? Like, it might be a good chance to check up and see how the remnants are holding up. Yeah, okay. Can I, like, sit for a little longer? <laughs> yeah, let me sit for a... So we sit for a little longer. I'll catch up. Uh, Auric, you exit the lie class home describe what we see so i i'm i'm now officially chief arrow correct okay correct. so before i i wore like a sort of standard very um you know legend of zelda link green uh kind of thing with some some leather armor over it um but as as the the chief arrow uh, they wear a different color, uh, and it is black. So it's the same, like kind of light brown, Ooh, nice. light brown leather armor, but the like tunic and and pants underneath it are black. Um, and this this suits Auric just fine for now. They they're enjoying the uh, the sort of darker aesthetic. Um, they still have their uh, Squadron Nine patch. Uh, on their uh, right arm, but across the the breastplate of the the leather armor is a crow, um, but it's like red because I'm wearing black, um, and that that signifies um, my rank. I also like the top of the the shirt, the the, the tunic or whatever is like a slightly higher collar. And on sort of both sides of that collar are uh, that same, essentially that same red crow. It's like a, um, like, like how uh, military people have like rank on their, on their collar. It's like that. Mm -hmm. um, I have my bow. Um, specifically, it is Oathbow uh, is the name of it. And I... Uh, uh, I, I'm carrying a sword. I'm wearing it right now in a way that doesn't make a whole lot, of, as much like actual sense, because I'm not really out doing as much uh, in that kind of way. But like, normally you wear it like, if you're wearing it on your waist, it's kind of, uh, I guess like front to back, like it points backwards. This is sort of mm -hmm. um, sideways, essentially. Like if I were to reach my right hand down to the side, I could grab it and pull it out that way. So it's sort of, sideways at a downward diagonal like a t across the top of your butt yeah like it's it's sort of it's not perfectly flat like horizontal it's more of it like at an angle downward but it's yeah it's sort of you know lower on my on my back um so, so i have yeah, to like okay. pull it out kind of sideways to do it um but that sure. suits them just fine too uh the blade itself is is kind of weird it's sort of um has a, a way of making people around them slightly uncomfortable and they don't know why 
like if I were to walk into a room, they just fidget. They like the people around, and I'd say probably a six foot radius, or not six foot, or like six foot diameter, three foot radius. Like just kind of get fidgety and uncomfortable for some reason. My hair has gotten a little longer, um, just in the whole journey, not in the past five days specifically. And, and it's gone from being like a shorter kind of thing to being long enough to have put uh, back in a, in a small ponytail. I have also, my character, now that they're settled in one place and have access to this, uh, has painted their nails and is wearing a small amount of makeup. Nothing like, it's not, I'm not as emo as, as my clothes are. I guess, but but uh, but I definitely definitely. You're not wearing eyeliner. There's a little bit of eyeliner, but it's like it's apparent that they're wearing makeup. Um, oh, cl- point of clarification, um, for the audience, Arx pronouns are what? Uh, they them there. Good. I just wanted to make that explicit for the audience. Arx, you find yourself walking through a familiar scene. So it's been like more than a month now since the burn wrecked havoc on this city in the forest. And already new life is blooming. Green leaves are returning to the trees. Flowers and grass poke through the soot. Buildings damaged by Everflame are being assessed for danger and are being rebuilt. There is joy in this place uh, in the face of disaster. What are you thinking to yourself as you walk along? Um, Arik notices these things and it brings a genuine smile to their face. Um, this is something they feel like they didn't see enough of. They, they saw sort of the opposite uh, in a way, kind of the idea of uh, disparity and desolation in what should have been a happier backdrop. Like even when they were in Letris and everything was green and beautiful, it was still a situation of terror uh, and so th- this seems diametrically opposed to that. It's the polar opposite. Um, and and that, that brightens uh, Arik's day for sure. It's it's kind of weird too because they, they sort of feel a kind of duality within themselves. One, that's the person that's enjoying that uh, those moments of hope, but then another more anxious voice that's not only asking, you know, like, will it last? I, I don't think you know, saying it won't last but also that is choosing to focus on destruction that caused this. It's a, it's a sort of split within themselves to, to uh, a feeling, one, one more toward the positive and one more toward the negative. And they're a little conflicted, but for right now, the, the positive side's kind of winning out, and so they choose to keep walking with a smile. More Linde, at some point, your uh, taller gate catches up with them. Oh yeah, because I'm like oh, three and a half feet tall. Yeah, so I, I just forgot like that swiftly part. walk to catch up. Yeah, Oryx a gnome. Yeah, I'm a gnome. <laughs> oh, I've got pointy ears too. Like, I have gnome pointy ears. So, the new Isatalos, Morlinde, that you're seeing is producing the first fruits of your plant growth ritual that you cast when you first arrived here with the protected remnants. You combined with Colbin and Gavil, the two ancient crotchety elven husbands who patriarch the circle of the land. Together, the three of you performed a ritual strong enough to grow plant life and bear fruits quickly in order to provide for the 3,000 new East Italians. An unexpected fruit of New East Italos are the citizens who have stepped in to fill the niche leadership roles. One of these is Thalrin Valri, who manages food distribution. He's an elven fellow 
uh, a decade or two younger than your parents, Morlandae. He's friendly and people respect him as a leader. You see Thorin now walking through the lines of people queuing for fruits and fresh game. He's taken to engaging people one-on-one when he can, addressing uh, their unique needs of individuals and their families. When he sees you approaching, his eyes light up and he breaks into a cheer. The whole line joins in, Uh. shouting in adoration for you. You saved their lives, though. Like, yeah, you no, provide like, them hope. Yeah, so, like, that's how you she feels. You get it feels. all the time. Yeah, no, that's how she feels just because, like, she's so tired. But that this is when she knows mm-hmm. to switch on and, like, like, turn off the tired and turn on the, okay, this is my job. So she has turned off the exhaustion and, like, put on the, okay, this, like, I have, like, I have to be excited about this. <laughs> this is my job. Fallon greets you both and then bends over to pick up a young half-elf. Uh, Presiding Druid, Chief Arrow, young Riffy here is just telling me that your dwarf friend helped him find his parents after the burn and that uh, his father, Gull, said Mr. Geldrim helped pull him out of the river. Quite a party you have there. Uh, do you have a name for this group of yours? <laughs> I, was, I knew you were going to do that. Oh, no, we still don't have a name. I'm, this is no. not a character. Like, what? This is so hard. Um, that, did we decide <laughs> on one as a group? I don't think we did. I want you to did. know, Joe. I want you to know, Joe. I All four of can you talk can about it talk right about now? it. Like, you, you can't. doesn't can, have to can, just. Yeah, can we be the protectors? Wanna, wanna yeah, sure, Joe. go for it. No. Ooh. <laughs> I can't It sounds like a band. I think the reason it's hard is because, like, groups of people don't just give each other names. Yeah. Like, hey, guys, we're the whatever. We are the squad. <laughs> the like, squad. Honestly, <laughs> the honestly it's, it's something that would make more sense for, like, someone else to call us. To and bestow. Then we, and then we uh, own it. You don't need a name. I'm perfectly fine calling you the party for, for now. All I'm saying is that I want you guys to have a name. I, I agree, and I, I feel like it'll there'll be a moment. I guess I, I really think somebody else needs to call us something, and then if it feels right, then we'll go by it. I'm going to say that that line was out loud in character. Well, we'll be yeah. thinking about it. Um, and then yeah. Riffy, uh, the little kid, says, where did, you, where did you go after the fire? You were gone for so long. We were trying to get to the bottom of it. We didn't know... To the bottom of the fire? We didn't know where the fire really came from. So we were we were following that. The ground. Yeah, there's a little more to it, um, we figured out. But it took us a while to find it. But now we're back. There were some... There were some very bad people who we were afraid would do some very bad things. And we had to go uh, try and keep some others safe before we came to help out with you guys. And this is fun because I'm probably as tall as this child. Um, and so, like, we're we're on the same level. Yeah. But we're back now. So did you stop the bad guys? I think so. Yeah. We did the best we could anyway. I think yeah. it worked out pretty well. You're here. It's doing pretty good so far. Why were they trying to hurt us? That's a harder question to answer, friend. Uh um honestly sometimes people are just mean some people are afraid of change um and they saw change 
in Isotalos. And the way they reacted was to fight and to hurt others. And it's terrible because look at the damage it caused us and look at the damage it caused you. It's unfair, it's unjust, but fear makes people do crazy things. And here we are dealing with the fallout. So what's our next step? What do we need to do next to create a new Isotalos that is that is better, that is greener? Um, seeing seeing Morlinde struggling with words. Yep. Uh, Arik Arik hops in and says, "What do you think, Riffy? What are what are you gonna do? What are we doing next? to make Isotalos better?" I don't know. I haven't I haven't I haven't thought about it. I don't know. What should I do? Best thing you can do, I think, is make friends and keep them. Mm-hmm. Take I'll care be, of your I'll, family. So you're going to stay here with us for a long time, right? I honestly don't know if I can tell you, Riffy, what we're going to do, but I can tell you this. It is going to be for my friends, uh, the people I care about. Whatever I do next, I'm going to be doing it for those friends. That's why I said uh, make friends and keep them. Because in in the end, that's what we've got most of, I think. And that's the things that don't matter. So make friends. I'll be your friend. <laughs> I would love for you to be my friend. As, the, uh, as a pair of you begin helping Fallon with the food bank, passing out rations and managing the supply chains... You're approached by a young trainee of the Warden Scout, Sim, who's a headstrong young elf whose parents were both lost in the burn. She stands at attention and addresses the pair of you. Chief Arrow, presiding druid, we've received news of a barge making its way down the river. Looks like the Deathbringer. We counted your companions and the lieutenant colonel among their ranks. Sin, I just want to point out that, like, the sentence, it looks like the Deathbringer, is usually a sad one, but I'm legitimately glad to hear that. Thanks for bringing that news. Is there? I really just like struggle to believe that there is a soda company that was content with the name Squirt because like that could not have been a good idea. But and, lo, here we are in yeah, a universe that, where it no, exists. No, but what's the what's the Trump's Sam's, America? It's it's not like the Sam's Cola. It's the Sam's Cola brand of Dr Pepper. Yeah, is that Dr Thunder? That's Dr. I thoroughly Thunder. enjoy Dr Thunder. Oh no, okay. Talk about off-brand sodas. So we have this like band store 
sorry, we'll start in a second. We have this band start. And so we just like sell like sodas to the kids for, for cheap. Um, and I, I'm the one responsible for picking them up. So I go to Kroger and get them and I'm getting the Kroger off brands and their Dr. Pepper is just called Dr. K. But my favorite thing about it is the like slogan for it is on the box and the cans. It says indescribably delicious. And I like this because like, of course they're going to, you know, exaggerate or whatever. But like when I drink this, I think it's, it's tasty. It's fine. But I also think to myself, I think I could accurately describe this. Like I don't, I don't think this is fair advertising. It's not indescribably delicious. I just think it's. All I right. can describe the taste of Doctor K in it's three like words. Almost Doctor Pepper. Doctor Pepper. <laughs> no, but it's like off-brand Doctor Pepper. <laughs> it's <laughs> almost that, Doctor Pepper. For, forward. They that's should. A, they that's should. a great slogan. <laughs> I would drink that stuff. So. Doctor K. It's almost Doctor <laughs> <Yeah>. Pepper. <laughs> Sorry to derail. Are, are we not going to... I thought tonight was a mailbag. No. This is game game. Oh. The mailbag's coming game game. after... Uh, game game. Game game. Uh, the mailbag is coming after um, the finale releases later questions. this month. Mm-hmm. You said game game. And this is a question, I guess, for the players. Do you, do you guys... It's a two-stage question. Did you... Uh, when you were in college, especially, and you were referring to like going home to visit your parents... Did you call that home home? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then the second part of that question is, now that we're all a little older and out, do you still think of that as home home? Mm. No, yes. I think I just say I'm going, like, I'm going home for Christmas, and, like, that means I'm going to Springdale. See, I've, I've found myself saying I'm going to visit my pam- my family. Like, I specify it like that. I don't say home now home Now that where I live is more permanent, it's not like, I'm just here for college, but I go home home every three weeks. Like, I go to Northwest Arkansas once or twice a year. So, like, anyway, let's let's play some D&D. Sorry, Joe. If King Graysunder is coming out as a Nash... Blah. Excuse me. That's going to be a fun bit. Heavy breakfast, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel? <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, I like that you're wearing an anarchist shirt. Yeah, you wouldn't believe where I got it. Hot Topic in, in 2009? I got it at Hot Topic this summer. And it just felt very hypocritical. Because as a socialist and low-key anarcho-socialist, I shouldn't be supporting capitalism like that. But I was like, this is a cool shirt. And it's $2. <laughs> So, I also wore this to school today underneath my flannel. So, metal as heck. Watch and your heck I'll tell and you mouth. guys about the, the day that I accidentally wore a shirt with a cuss word on it. I saw your snap story about it. To professional, there were no kids there, but oops. Do it. Give in to the dark side. <laughs> Unlimited. Um, Power. You can t- all I can see is Yessie like leaning in away close to the camera to whisper into the microphone. What are we doing next Cutting to make that a? <laughs> You're welcome. 
y'all, I've been charging my Critual since like six, so like, I should be good. Is it plugged in or something? <laughs> well, no, like charging my dice with the arcane energy of Oh, I got you. Yeah. On principle, this this feels very like uh, Gandalf encountering Sauron, uh, or Saruman. Uh, and we all know Saruman was stronger. It's true. Yeah. Is Saruman uh, the demon? No, Saruman no, is no. The, the, the other white wizard. He was like... No. I thought that was Gandalf the White. No, Gandalf the White Please comes after Gandalf the Grey gets... Me? Messed up. No, I'm not. I've literally not Joe, messing with starts, you. I am not caught up on my. You're thinking of the Balrog. He starts as Gandalf the Gray, and then he mm-hmm. encounters a wizard of his same order, which is Sauron the White, and Sauron mm, the Sauron White. Sauron is an asshole. Yeah, and yes, the bad powerful, guy. powerful asshole. asshole. Yeah. yeah. Is he? Wait, he's he's a he's two towers yeah. guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Gandalf dies Gandalf the White, no, no. and comes Gandalf, back as yes. Gandalf the White. Yes. So it's confusing because there are two white wizards, but the bad white wizard is Saruman. Yeah. Sar- and it's also yes. really confusing. Which because is also Sa- confusing no because the name of the ultimate bad guy Sauron. is Sauron. It's Sauron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, Tolkien was an idiot. <laughs> Whoa. Don't say that on the air. <laughs> yeah, Cut I that said off. it. <laughs> like, this is yeah, so no, I said it. This is my stance. <laughs> It's a me, Joe Love, Dungeon Master of a D and D podcast, <laughs> condemns J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh. Yep, none. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, come back. <laughs> Yikes. Mm, sorry, I'm just like distracted by my upstairs neighbors, and um. It looks like you're like following a moth or something. No, they that's just like on the ceiling. I got, I had, the old upstairs neighbors were super loud because they had like 17 kids and a dog. And then these college dudes moved in and they're just, <laughs> literally, and these college dudes moved in and they're just as loud. And I'm like, well, I guess it wasn't the 17 kids and the dog. Anyway. Um, Isn't that the movie on HGTV probably. or TLC or something? Oh, those. Yesy, yeah, they live by yeah, you. Yeah, have you ever got stuck in line again. at the, at Brahms behind them? Because I have. The Duggars? Yeah, the worst. No, but one of my one of my old uh, friends from uh, Boy Scouts growing up was eventually married Jill cool. Duggar. That's interesting and strange. Not that I know right? of. I don't think I've ever met a Duggar, but like I might have. <laughs> you probably have. I mean, there's, there's a lot of them. When you're from yeah. Northwest Arkansas, statistically the it's odds likely. are better than most families yeah. no, meet one of their members. No, but. seriously, because they live I mean, in Tawny Town, and then they would go to the Brahms on Sunset in Springdale, and like that's where. See, that's not my Brahms. Oh, see, that's my Brahms, and so like I'd like oh, I go Brahms. and try to get a freaking <laughs> milkshake. I know I miss Brahms so much. I miss well, I'm so lactose intolerant. I went back and had Brahms during the summer. And it, it screwed me up for like three days, but it was worth it. One time, actually, it's like two times, and one time was at your Brahms, Yessie, because it was at the one by Springdale High. Yessie. I got stuck behind the Duggars <laughs> twice in like this, it was like in a two year period. I got stuck behind the freaking Duggars. All like freaking 16 of them show up, and they're all in line in, in the front, and you just have to wait an extra 30 minutes for your ice cream. Anyway, that's my Duggar's rant. It's it's because like doesn't doesn't Jim Bob have like a auto dealership or something yeah, like something on seventy one B? Yeah. Does he? 
Dang. He may have I, at some point. If that's the case, I almost certainly have because I work right off over of 71B. There. Well, they yeah. don't, like... Exactly, that's what I'm thinking. Their kids are basic, are, are starting to be grown now, so they're not all, like, hopping yeah, out no. of the bus and getting bronze together. Are they going to have, like, ten kids apiece? Because that's a problem. They hope. I hope they do. Yeah. You hope I mean, like, they keep do? The, keep the tradition well going. within their right. Uh, I get it. It's yeah. good television, they're Sarah. They're building a nation, <laughs> is what they're you doing. Mean, they're going to buy Tawny Town. You mean getting in front of the me Duggar and Bronx? Super annoying. All right. So. Anyway, I totally like. I I had some thoughts about Shadowfell, and now I'm like gone, totally gone. Where where was where was someone suggesting I go? Bronx. 